Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom. Okay, cool. cool. And do you like uh, Raymundo or Ray? What do you prefer? Ray is fine. Ray's fine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, everyone. Unless you want to use Raimundo. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, it's. I think it just sounds more professional. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you initially what I thought of whenever yeah. I heard Raimundo. So everyone, welcome Raimundo Ray to the Spiritual Nomad podcast. And um, Raimundo, I'm going to use Raimundo <laughs> for a little bit at least because. Sure, sure. All right. Before I even give you any introduction of how you ended up on the show. I was obsessed with Rocket Power when I was a kid. You know that uh, show? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, their dad's name was Raymundo. You know, the kids would always be like Raymundo. And so, as soon as I saw your name in the direct messages, I was like, <laughs> "Yes, Raymundo! This is so awesome." <laughs> we got Rocket Power in here. <laughs> yeah, dude, my kids. Yeah, I love that show. Been I've reintroduced them, not reintroduced, introduced them to Rocket Power, and rewatching these shows is like. Brilliant. Are they on Netflix or something? Where are you, where are you uh, getting that? Nickelodeon has like their own sort of channel, kind of like a Disney oh, Plus, okay. you know, but for like oh, Nickelodeon. Uh, wow, I didn't know that. Right, yeah. Cool. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, well, friends, uh, as I said, Raimundo's on the show talking about uh, really responding to a post that I put out, inviting people to have a conversation about faith, about how that has taken some sort of formation in their life maybe has been through some sort of reformation or deconstruction or reevaluation and what that really looks like today. Um, And so my hope with all of these conversations coming up is that we would be able to resonate with people who are having a similar experience, going on a similar journey, maybe people that are, um, not that it's necessarily a, a race, but maybe someone that might be a little steps ahead of the curve from where we've been so we can know what path is clear, you know, um, we can understand our own self, we can reach back to others and help people understand and make sense of what sort of faith looks like post, you know, uh, some of the earlier versions of it, you know, so uh, it's kind of a random way of explaining all of it. But Raimundo, thanks for responding to the post and jumping on the podcast and being the first one to do this. So you're brave, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, your your history, your life growing up, where it was Christianity or faith of any sort. I guess that's a major assumption. Um, mm-hmm. Was that a part of your, your life or is that something you found later in life? Um, I would say I was I was born into it. Um, my both my parents are actually uh, certified pastors. Yeah. Um, so since birth, um, I grew up pretty much at church. I spent more time at church than I did at home for the earlier parts. Yeah. You know, simply because, um, so I was born in, in Monterey, Mexico. And uh, my dad was pretty much fresh pastor there. And um, a, a Baptist church actually in North Carolina asked him to start a Hispanic community church up here really? in the States. Yeah. What denomination so, was that with? It um so that church was Baptist. Um but my my dad's church um is Assemblies of God. Okay. So more uh Pentecostal. Yeah. 
Um, but for the moment, it didn't, it didn't really matter. They just wanted some kind of church up here for the Hispanic community because that was back in 93. Okay. Um, there was like small towns, so like almost like zero Hispanic churches up there. Yeah. Or where I am now, actually. Where are you at now? Um, it's in Asheville, North Carolina. You're in Asheville? Yeah. Oh, dude, I love <laughs> Asheville, man. Oh, you've been? Yeah. Yeah, I've been nice. to Asheville. So rad. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, wow. what, what brought you there? It's a small, small town. Yeah. I, I mean, not to, you know, uh, sidestep too much, but I moved here from Indianapolis, Indiana, mm-hmm. and that's where I spent most of my life. And, uh, my dad and I took a motorcycle ride down through the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, so the first oh, day amazing. was Indianapolis to Asheville. And then we took off from Asheville and jumped on the Blue Ridge and, worked our way oh, over through that's the best experience of Asheville for sure beautiful man yeah. so amazing yeah. so you're in Asheville how old were you when yeah. you made it to Asheville then uh so I was born and like two years later they moved to Asheville so I was like two years old oh wow yeah um and since then you know them starting a church um trying to organize everything my mom and dad were the worship team my dad was the only um pastor at that time um, so my mom was actually teaching, um, English for the, uh, for the people of, of, of their church. Mm. Um, and so like really all my time was just spent at church. Um, and so I was heavily, heavily, uh, indoctrinated there. Yeah. Um, what was I that like? I wasn't. Go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was gonna say I wasn't, um, at that moment I wasn't mad or anything about it. I actually really enjoyed being with my family, being at church, being with the church family. So it was actually really cool upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I feel a lot of similar ways to like being born into the church as a pastor's kid, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, it's a unique thing. Like it's a really a roll of the dice, what sort of experience kids get. And I think it has to do a lot yeah. with like personality and temperament and even like parenting, you know, like how your parents parent you as being pastors or in ministry in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that really defines a lot of the early years of your perspective. Cause I realized, um, I was getting, and certain people do absolutely have church trauma and stuff. And, but some of the things that I was frustrated with five years ago, I realized wasn't really truly trauma. It was just my own sort of like, you know, personal preferences that weren't there, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I'm with you in that, that like, I don't, my earliest memories of church aren't bad or traumatic or, you know, mm. um, feeling like I was, uh, uh, you know, like I spoke at a pastor's kids lunch like years ago whenever I was a youth (laughs) pastor and like the stories that I heard was like, that's like child labor, man. Like, (laughs) like it was bad. I was like, I didn't have that experience at all, you know? Um, so with you, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like you enjoyed it. You enjoyed the community. Like you appreciated some of the, the culture that was there. Um, Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you felt like were, and I know I'm part, I would grew up in like a charismatic church setting, you know? And so not too far from, you know, our origins come from the Pentecostal movement, you know, Mm -hmm. Azusa street and everything, you know? And so, um, (laughs) that's where we, as the vineyard church movement, like find our, uh, our history back where like third wave charismatic, whatever. So I think some of the things that I look back on as being like indoctrinated by more of a Pentecostal theology, if you will, is Mm -hmm. were you ever like pressured into 
things like speaking in tongues or doing some of that stuff from an early age? Like what, what was that experience like with theology mixed in? Yeah. Um, so my parents, um, thankfully were, um, genuine in their faith. Um, they weren't looking so much for a certain look for themselves or for their church. They just wanted an, um, a genuine experience with God. Yeah. For them, for them, that also included all the spiritual aspects of it. And um, I was taught that the spiritual aspects, like speaking in tongues and all of that, were evidence of a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pressured on me to do all that. Um, it was expected, being like I was the pastor's kid, and how how come I. I'm not as spiritual as everybody else. I should be the most spiritual, mm, you know, yeah. coming, being, being the kid of, of the pastor who's teaching all of this. Um, um, so yeah, yeah. To answer the question, definitely a lot of pressure. Um, especially just, just being, I guess, a face of the church, yeah. you know, being the family that, that uh, founded the church for sure. Yeah. How was that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I certainly have my experience of being like the pressure of being the pastor's kid or being, yeah. being random places and people knowing me that I don't know them. And that was a real time. Yeah, yeah. How weird is that? <laughs> like, man, especially not only cause I'm the pastor's kid, but also because my, pa- my dad is like, an influential person in in the Hispanic community in Asheville. Okay. So like outside of religion, people know him as well. Right. Um, because we help with a lot of legal stuff too, with um, with immigration and all that. Yeah. Uh, so all everywhere I go, man, they just they know me. I'm like, I don't I don't know who you are. Isn't that wild? Like I remember some of the earliest yeah. memories of like being able to go to the mall with my friends for the first time by myself. You know, like twelve yeah. or thirteen, and people like coming up to me like at the mall, and I'm like. I have no idea who you are, you know, or being yeah. like, uh, like, you know, like sneaking outside and like smoking cigarettes and my parents like getting on to me about it because somebody from the church, right. like, Someone's gonna know, know, it's yeah. like through the grapevine. It's like, geez, I can't do anything, man. You know, yeah, so. no, no, even, even now, like I'm uh 29 coming on, going on 30 and, uh, they, they're okay with me drinking. Like they know I drink. And, uh, but they still don't want me to be seen drinking because it it reflects on them. And I was like, oh man, this is so much. You know, it's so (laughs) funny how that is too for pastors, kids in particular. I can't speak for anybody else because that's all, ah, I'm a pastor's kid. So from my experience, you know, but whenever I started doing Spiritual Nomad back in 2017, it was shortly after we moved to San Diego to plant a church and that didn't work out. And, um, you know, went through a bunch of depression and all of this stuff and then started the spiritual nomad podcast. Cause that's where I was at. I was just trying to figure out like, what do I really believe? What do I really think if I'm not going to be a pastor, like who am I really, you know? And, yeah. uh, but I remember posting some podcasts, just riffing by myself, exploring curiosity and all of this. And my dad called me one day and really started like, we had a few different conversations where he heard through the grapevine that like I was doing a podcast and listened to it. And, um, it's funny, like what, what you just said, cause what he, is exactly what he said to me he says, what you say out there affects what happens here, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's too much. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, that's too much for me. You know, like I, I don't, how am I affecting some church 
you know, but then mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well that's true. I mean, I'd only been gone for, you know, a year or whatever. Um, and I was supposed to take that church over. So people are still, you know, following my every move, you know, wow, um, but yeah. you know, that sort of weight and feeling, I almost feel like, and I don't know for me, like I, I tend to always spend things to be positive, you know? Mm-hmm. So like maybe I have experienced some sort of, um, low level of, you know, trauma from those things. Like, I don't feel like I can speak freely or, uh, because I mm. feel like whatever I say is going to affect other people or I don't want to make other people stumble or, you know, it, right. that's such a hard thing to, to do and trying to deconstruct while being an influential person when you didn't even want to be, I didn't even know that I was influencing, you know, yeah. what was happening back there in the conversations on staff back at church, you know, I had no yeah. idea. Um, but you, you know, you, you have to try to work through some of that. And I'm still trying to feel the freedom to talk about things that I really want to say, uh, because you're feel held accountable and responsible. Um, so I'm curious for you, like, as you started to enter into, did you go through like a, what you would label like a deconstruction or like a rethinking of faith? Like, was that a defined time in your life? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think actually, one of the main reasons that even happened or even started as early in life as it did for me was that I, I, I knew the back end of church. Mm, yeah. Because um, people think, you know, church is this ultra spiritual place where God is, but it's a business. Yeah. Like you, you want people to come in and you want them to, to use your services and you want them to give you money. And that's, oh, it's okay. Without the offerings, the churches won't, won't exist. I get that. But I saw the, not not just in my dad's church, you know, I, and they're not perfect, but um, I also worked in other churches um, growing up, and they all have a nasty, nasty underbelly mm. um, that's motivated more on greed. And um, seeing all of that made me really, really question what this was all about. Mm. Like if if the church, the the reason, you know, Christianity exists is that that dirty um, what is this all about? If it's, if religion is founded on that, then is it, is it even true? Right. You know? Yeah. How old um, were you when you started like thinking through that? Um, early teens, just getting out of high school. Really? Um, yeah. Um, started thinking for myself, um, you know, science and all of that, all the contradictions between that and the, in the Bible. Yeah. That didn't help as well. Um, and then just seeing other people that weren't like me. Um, like Christian and seeing how their own faith path and traditions um, made them be good people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they didn't need Jesus Yeah. Um, to be good. And then just seeing bad Christians as well. Mm. Um, like if, if Jesus is the way, how come you're not, you're not like at least as good as the, the other traditions. Yeah. Um, and so I had a lot of questions um, and, um, do you know the, the Enneagram? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a nine, um, strong, strong wing eight. Um, so, um, very passionate. Yeah. And, um, at that point I became very, the passion became more ang- angry, mm. um, and very, um, really full of doubt. Yeah. 
And so that, that made me crash pretty, pretty hard in, in what would be deconstructing. Yeah. Um, almost to the point, well, I guess just straight up to the point of atheism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were you working like with a church or at a church through all of that? Like what did your relationship with the church look like as you followed that mm -hmm. path more into deconstruction? So there was a connection only with my, my dad's church because, um, it was just family. Um, and I knew that my parents weren't going to understand what was happening. Yeah. Um, and so I kept it a secret and I, um, I put on a, a facade, um, a persona that re wasn't really me around other Christians. One to just simply to protect my parents Yeah. because you know, people find out all oh, this pastor sons and atheists now, um, what does that say about him? That like he can't yes. keep his house in order. Yes. Um, yes. That's you know, exactly. I get that? it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I faked it, um, because of the politics of, of the situation. Um, and then later on in life, um, I became less angry, mm -hmm. you know, the, the anger faded and, um, I started to, um, include my, my past and what I've learned in, into my future. Um, and I was able to then continue to work for a church, even if I didn't agree with all of it. Um, yeah. I knew that there was some good with it. Um, and that's really all I knew, um, in life. And so, I didn't know where else to turn. So I, I stayed in church to, for the community aspect of it. Yeah. And just to try and heal some of, some of that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? So for, I know for a lot of people, they, they go through a sort of deconstruction and they can't even approach church. Like I, I have a friend who I was working at a, um, disciples of Christ church and down the street and, um, no longer working there. But whenever I was working there, I was, I invited him to come and even just coming in and somebody handing him a program was just like, I can't do this, you know? And he's like a seminary trained yeah. person or whatever. Like wow. how much time did you need outside of the church before you felt comfortable, like coming back into a space like that to reorient your faith and tap on some of those earlier ideas? A long, long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think because I actually tried my, my, my hardest to not even return. Yeah. Um, I think that was a chapter in my life in which I didn't want to go back to for a while. Um, I, I can't tell you how many years that would be. Um, over four yeah. for sure of just trying to deal with what was happening. Um, and I mean, it's, it's very recent, um, that I could now talk about it, which is why I accepted, oh, not accepted. I, I, uh, asked, um, yeah. to talk with you. Um, but like, I would say a year ago, maybe two years ago, I wouldn't have been in a position in, in where I could talk about it and not just bash yeah. religion. Yeah. Um, and so, but now I'm in a place in which uh, I think it's it's helpful to to see religion not as this. It's it's definitely uh, manipulative, mm -hmm. um, but I think the people that are are doing that don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, and the the compassion aspect of of um, reconstructing is very important mm -hmm. in not only how you interact with other Christians. Um, but also in your own health so that you're not always just this senile, angry person all the time yeah. when it comes to anything spiritual. Yeah. Because as much as I, I don't want to be spiritual, I guess we all are. Yes. 
Yeah. It's just part of being human. Was there a level of, um, and I'm just speaking for myself here, no projection, mm-hmm. just my, I felt, I guess I should reframe that. I felt a level of uh, surrender that had to happen in a way that I never knew before to start mm-hmm. to really take the Jesus narrative back into my functioning spiritual life again. You know, like there was a level of, mm-hmm. um, cause I like you, like venturing into more of the science aspect of things, really understanding, uh, the underbelly being a pastor's kid, you know, looking at mm-hmm. that, knowing who my dad is, he's a great man, but he's also a great CEO, you know, too. And, you right. know, seeing a lot of that and how that works and, um, frankly, just the relational fallout and the holes and the scriptures and, you know, uh, the, the trying to reason with people who still hold the, the like all of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to approach that at all. Like that just seems like such a buzzkill to whatever new is happening in my life right now. Like I just, yeah. I don't want that in any way, shape or form, you know? Um, but then revisiting that, like I felt myself, like I'd feel like tension in my heart. I'm like, why do I feel this? You know, mm-hmm. toward like, why, why do I feel like this sort of like, uh, angst, you know, um, towards these words that I'm reading that are, are, are good words. Like, you know, I revisit right. the gospel now. I'm like, this is like, there's beauty in this, but like, I just, and it was a level of like surrendering to whatever was trying to protect myself you know, from mm-hmm. what I know is associated with associating these words. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, completely. And it's like, oh man, like I start talking like this again, like, you know, I'm going to have all this old culture that I just got rid of <laughs> resurface. How am I going to handle that? You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like with, with revisiting that, what were some of the things that, um, like that transition, however long a period of time mm-hmm. that was, that transition of being angst and, and frustrated and seeing the holes in the whole thing, like what was that internal process of m- moving from that place uh, into where you're at now? The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org give to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership. Yeah, no, I th- that's actually a really funny point because, um, like you said, there's all these pretty much just vocabulary words that we use in the church, and I I hated those um, after my deconstruction. Um, and like you said, like you find yourself using them again, um, and I use all of the spiritual words today, but every single one of them means something completely different than yeah. what it did back in the day. Um, and so I can have conversations with Christians who have not deconstructed and, and have a peaceful conversation because we're using similar language. Yeah. Um, I knowing full well that they don't understand what I'm saying, but 
that that builds a bridge between me and them. Yeah. And that allows that um, relationship to start. They they then trust mm. what I'm saying because we're using similar language. And but that's when we we introduce um, new not I guess yeah new ideas of what these words actually mean using the teachings of Jesus to prove why I now think yes why what I do and um, I think Jesus Jesus was the reason why I came back to Jesus yeah uh, reading reading his words in in scripture in in the gospels without having throwing away all preconceived um, notions of what I was told to believe. Yeah. I threw all that away because at that point I was atheist. I didn't believe any of that. Right. Um, and so now reading the gospel a second time with the, with that new lens of, of just, just, I guess, logic of like his words make sense. Yeah. Like with take away um, theology, his words make sense on a social level. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. And I think Christians, at least um, conservative Christians or non-deconstructed or whatever you want to call it, are missing are missing that beauty of, yeah. of what he's trying to say, and to to just disregard them and not talk to them um, is is an injustice in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I have what I believe to be true, and I think it's only fair to try my best to communicate that with with other Christians and help them see that. Mm-hmm. That's a certain level of self understanding yourself though and trust in yourself mm-hmm. in order because what i've seen and i'm by no means picking on anyone but people avoid that because they are uh they're scared that they might get you know broken again or they might be hurt again or you know yeah. there's a level of self independence spiritual independence i would even argue spiritual maturity that has mm-hmm. to happen before we enter back into those conversations, you know, and to say that someone may not be mature for that yet is not a derogatory statement. It's just a reality of, of where they're at. Yeah. I don't fault my son for, you know, not being able to, you know, write all the letters yet. You know, he's five, you mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's okay. Um, and, yeah. and so I think that what I hear you saying is you've entered a, a certain level of certain what seems to be true with people that I have this conversation with and why it interests me so much is there's a level of letting go. It's, it's this paradox. It's this level of letting go of the self that's going to be offended, but it's right. also a, a, a understanding of the true self that's going to be able to stand on something and not be shaken by the person who is, you know, uh, frustrated or angry because, you know, you made a notion that could it be maybe that God doesn't send anyone to hell, you know, like, uh, could it be, you know, like, and frankly, a lot of people just aren't as far in that sort of new maturity place to handle those conversations, you know? Yeah, no. And to your point, like the best Bible conversations I've ever had in my life, I would say like 90% of them or more would be with atheists. Yeah. Because ironically, they they have read the Bible. Yeah. And <laughs> that's just sad. But, but most Christians that I talk to that aren't progressive in any way, they haven't. And so they don't know what they really believe. And right. that that uncertainty brings fear. Mm-hmm. And so when you when they talk to someone 
who sounds like they know what they're saying, like like me or an atheist, um, they 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 feel that fear, and then they get angry because yeah. the anger comes comes from that. Um, yeah, it's trying so to protect. I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and when it comes to something as insane as you know what happens to you after you die, you know if, if that's what religion is to you, then of course you're going to be scared. If, if doubt comes into your mind about any of that. Right. Um, and so I can't stress enough um, me reading the Bible and reading Jesus's words helped in, in deconstructing even more mm. um, you know, alongside the doubt. Um, but what Jesus was saying isn't at all what, what I was taught. Yeah. You know, everything that he said, pretty much had to do with what's happening now yeah. instead of what's happening in the future. Um, and I just, people don't read the Bible. Right. They just, they go to church and they hear the pastor read his Bible and they hear what he has to say about scripture, but they don't take the time to do it. And I understand, you know, work, kids, mm-hmm. life, it's hard to, to get into this really, really deep, deep book in any um, yeah. meaningful way. And the last thing we want to do is is study. You know, we have Netflix and all that. I, I get it. But if you're going to be, and this is probably me getting a little little upset, a little uh, a little rant. Hey, let it let uh, it out, buddy. I love it. <laughs> but like, if if you're going to be that serious of a of a Christian, you know, if you, you say, "Oh, I've I follow Christ. I go to church every Sunday," do the work. Yeah. You know, like read read the book. Um, do the homework. Um, before you start criticizing other people for what they believe yeah. when they have read the books, when they have done deep studies. Um, and, but, but I get it though. I, I feel, I have compassion for those people as well. Yeah. It's it, hard. It's hard, but I it's have. hard, but I mean, we're scared of what we don't know too, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And what, it, what I hear you saying, what I agree with is if you get to know things more, you're less scared of them, you know? And that's like, mm-hmm. that goes across the board. That's like psychology 101. Like if you are scared of people who are Muslim, the best thing that you can do is sit down and have dinner with a Muslim. Like, exactly. And once yeah. you begin to know and have some sort of uh, non-mystery about this person, there's mm-hmm. a level of knowing and trust and and a different perspective of, of what that could be in the same way with religion. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like probably much like you growing up, you know, you're taught every other religion is, is wrong, bad, evil, demonic seeks wickedness and evil right. at every turn. <laughs> right. You know, and the mm-hmm. worst thing is, you know, like a statue of a Buddha, you know, and see, these are the oh, carved yeah. images that people <laughs> worship, you know? And it's like, whenever I took a deep dive into Eastern religions, I'm like, that is not, at all what what's happening here like mm-hmm. even in hinduism and things like people are largely aware that these are images of deity these aren't really the deities you know what i mean exactly and, but we're taught like you know whenever paul walks in uh, uh i think it was athens you know and he's like to an unknown god you know that little idol whatever and he's like this is the living you know everybody's like thinking that all these other religions are so like barbaric in that way, but it's not that mm-hmm. at all, but it's because they just don't know. They've not taken the time with an exactly. unbiased, non-judgmental curiosity into these things. And mm-hmm. so I think that like reconstruction for, or first and foremost, deconstruction, I think, um, lends itself to some sort of curiosity 
and permission to seek something and to not watch Netflix and to read. Cause I think if, and I'm rambling, but people <laughs> that I have these conversations with that even do consider themselves conservative evangelical Christians, when they feel a level level of comfort with me, they do end up sharing things that are non-orthodox and nice. they do end up like admitting to things that, some non, sometimes not all the time admitting to things that you know are are taboo you know like i had a conversation mm-hmm. with a guy and finally he felt comfortable enough with me uh because i'm a i'm a church planter i'm we're working to start a church right now and so i'm meeting with people and um you know a guy who's a part of like the calvary chapel churches and he's very you know very bible he's freshly following jesus over the past couple of years you know and so he's pretty on that on fire stage likes to use a lot of big theological terms, you know, stuff that used to really irk me, but I'm cool with it now. We get talking in this conversation and he ends up alluding to basically universalism, you know? And he's like, nobody at my church, like, so it was this doorway and we had this hour conversation and he's like, dude, I would be so proselytized for saying any of this at my church, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah. Really, um, people want to be curious. People want to explore. I think in the heart of our being, we are children that want to be explored mm-hmm. and we want to look and seek and have the freedom to do that without fear of what might may or may not happen to us. You know, it's this self-preservation that creates that sort of fear, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious for you, like, um, I hope we're doing okay on time too, but um, are you okay on time? Oh yeah, I have all day. It's okay, good. <laughs> um, so like, as you have entered into some of those conversations, in in your regard, like, how is those early conversations? What was your heart signaling to you? And then also, what were some of like the common themes that you were beginning to bring up? Is like using Jesus' words for justification for you know, like, what were some of the early things that you were almost helping people enter into a different sort of knowing. Does that make sense? Um, let me try and clarify. Um, so conversations with, like conversations as me having had uh, reconstructed with people who haven't deconstructed. Yeah, okay. yeah. What what has that been experience oh, been like man, it's, for you? Like, It's a, a test in patience for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, it helps me understand who who I am and in my faith as well. Um, I think a, a huge teacher in, in growing up is talking to children um, because mm. they're, they're so simple-minded. And if you can explain things to them, then then you know what you're saying pretty much. And um, yeah. I, I see young conservatives or like young people in, in their faith um, as like the, the children of, of deconstruction. And if, oh no, hold on. I have my Mac on Do Not Disturb and I still got a a phone call. That's weird. No worries. Oh, the screen got small. I don't know how to resize it.
we go. Oh, no. I lost you. Oh, I can okay. hear you, but yeah, your your face is gone. Back to meeting. Oh, there you are. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm new to Zoom here. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I was like, I'm definitely was resisting zoom in many ways yeah no, me too but <laughs> I, don't, I hate being mainstream but here we are <laughs> i know right but hey it enables like people yeah. in north carolina and california to have a conversation yeah. I, you know? I like it now so I like it now <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah um like i was saying patience and and i i feel for for what was happening back in the first century with jesus and with Paul, especially him trying to convince Orthodox Jews the ways of Jesus and him trying to convince mm-hmm. Orthodox patriotic Romans the ways of, of Jesus um, and Jesus trying to convince, you know, capitalist, not capitalistic, but these power structures, whether it be in religion or in, in politics, his way of, of um, selflessness um, and trying to convince people that their their way of thinking isn't accurate like um i'm talking about the bible and so are you but i i see it differently how do i go Mm -hmm. about convincing you educating you in in my way in a way that isn't in that doesn't close them off um Mm -hmm. or offend them so that they stop listening um in the same way that jesus was talking about the same torah that the um, the Pharisees were, but yeah. they went about it two different ways, and that's where I find myself. Like, I I agree with you. I I I do like Jesus. I do like what's happening here, but I think it needs to change slightly. I think the motivation, yeah. and I think that's that's the key, is that the motivation of of what we believe needs to change. So, for instance, mm. it used to be. I believe in Jesus because and only because I want something specific after I die, you know, Mm. and that mentality keeps people where they are and keeps them from evolving into anything else um, because straying from that means in their belief they're going to hell. Um, And so I understand their um, resistance to, to my conversation. Um, and so I find myself constantly trying to focus their attention of what Jesus is saying um, as to what's happening on earth today. Um, likewise, what was happening in his time during, um, during his ministry. He was always focused on helping individuals during their suffering before they died, right? Yeah. Um, John 3.16 um, John three, John three sixteen, was the verse that actually started my, or just like launched me into deconstruction. Really? Yeah, because talk more about that. Um, there's a uh, dichotomy in in that verse. Whether you're either um, perishing or you're not, right? Mm-hmm. There's no in between in that verse. But the way that I was taught and that most Christians see it today is right now we're in the in-between state. We are neither perishing nor have eternal life. 
in the mm-hmm. future, we will decide either or. But mm. that gives a third option of in between. And that's not what mm. John 3.16 gives us. We have two options, not three. So in the mm. current moment, we are either perishing or we either also have or have eternal life. One or yeah. the other, but starting right now, not some yes. point in the future. And so that, that changes everything about what that verse is saying. Um, we are not going to perish later in the same way that we're not going to, at least what I believe, we're not going to find eternal life later. This is an option that we have to pick right now. And another interesting fact that no one really teaches is that Jesus isn't saying this um, to himself or as a general teaching. He's talking face-to-face with, I think, is it Nicodemus? Nicodemus. Face to face. And he, why would he tell him, I think, I think so funny, um, believe in me um, or perish? Like, what kind of faith requires someone to believe? Like, if you told me to believe in you, there's no faith required for me to do that because I know you exist because you're right here in front of me or on the screen. Yeah. Right? There's no faith required in that. Um, And so, also, was Jesus telling him to believe in his existence? Obviously not. Mm. He's right in front of him saying these words. Obviously, the Pharisees who didn't believe Jesus also believed Jesus existed. Mm -hmm. Right? Even go as far as to say, if you believe in in Satan, um, Satan also believes Jesus exists. So So does Satan have eternal life? Like, believing in the existence of Jesus isn't what was being said in John 3.16. Right? Is Right. Believe, if you go down to um, John 3.36, is equated to obeying Jesus. So if you obey his teachings and how to live and treat others, how to live in a society in which everyone, especially the least fortunate, thrive, um, then you will experience this life that he's talking about. And if you don't... The abundant life. And if you don't, then obviously the only other solution is that we all perish here. Right. Yeah. And so right. that all was And that. you live a life of perishing. You yeah. like you live a life that is unfulfilled, that is self seeking, that only ends in mm-hmm. your own personal ruin. Yeah, inwardly you know? but also outwardly. Like like Both. physically, yes. emotionally, yeah, you're gonna perish. Uh but physically, if everyone lives like that, we're gonna destroy ourselves. That's and, true. Yeah. I think too, in it bringing so John three is like one of my favorites ever, mm-hmm. that whole story with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Because I think something we also forget in that is that the way that we live in that is we are born from above. Yeah. A sort of enlightenment that right. happens where my my Eastern understanding is like, oh, Jesus is literally speaking as a guru right now exactly. to this guy who thinks he knows the law. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, the wind blows. The same word pneuma for spirit is wind. Wherever the wind blows, that's where the spirit is. Yeah. And nobody knows which way it goes. <laughs> And he says, you must be born from above. Mm-hmm. It's this enlightenment. You know, I, I look at eternal life is the the ancient Near East understanding of enlightenment. You yeah. know, to live in tune with the eternal life is to be awakened by the spirit above. Or I was even talking to a friend. Encinitas is a very, it's a city right next to us that is super 
uh, spiritual. So we do a lot of meditation stuff there and everything. (laughs) And I was talking to him about set your mind above where Christ is seated or be born from above. It's literally the higher chakras Mm -hmm. that we're talking about here. And the more third eye awakening awareness, you know, of what the observer sees in, in this plane of existence, you know, and all this. And it was just like, Using Jesus mm-hmm. uh, as example for, in this case, you know, somebody who was a, a worship leader who is now like this, like uh, uh, super new age guy, you know, it's like helping people understand that it is about a sort of true spiritual. I think we've forgotten a lot in Christianity, mm-hmm. the the really the two aspects of what it is. It's It's highly spiritual, you know. And it's highly social, you know, and a lot like what you're talking about, like how we not like social in the terms of like, are you Christian and vote Republican? But like, how does my life impact and influence human flourishing literally in my neighborhood? You know, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? And how do I even have the selflessness to do that? Well, probably because I need to be born from above or enlightened to a higher level of consciousness. Yeah. Like that's really what I think that this Jesus narrative is all about. Yeah. Um, so I mean, for me, that's been reconstruction, you know, exactly. That's been like exactly. a huge aspect of reconstruction. Like, uh, and then using a lot of those old terms, like Jesus is your personal Lord and savior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody said, and I was so kicking against that and talking shit on that <laughs> for so long. And then I'm like, Oh, like there's some, some validity in how I approach that now. Mm-hmm. Like if someone is a Lord, it's like, Oh, this is more of a, a, a model of, uh, to live under, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and saving from like, by all means, like I need to save from my lower self, mm-hmm. you know, I need to save from my lower, um, false self that is always seeking self-preservation and fear and greed. I need, you know, I do need, awaken out of that illusion you know so i'm like oh i guess the model of jesus does do those things in my life you know it's like so now i can say those things and you know some christian friends are like right on brother and i'm like like we don't mean the same thing but that's okay (laughs) no has that been hard for you like for sure really yeah because i where i am in Asheville, it's um it's a red state um, yeah, in a, in a, but I'm in a blue county, um, so I get the best of both worlds. Um, but red, uh, red states are usually a little more uh, conservative. Um, so man, all the time, um, Bible Belt over here, Southern Baptist. Um, yeah, and but the the teachings of Jesus, man. Um, the more I read it, even today, the more I'm surprised of what I missed. Um, it's like you were saying. It's, it's about rising in consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. But no one can do that if their basic needs aren't met, right? Like if mm. you're trying to survive, yeah. you have no intention, nor can you um, go to the next level in your conscience. Um, and True. so, yeah, it's about um, evolving in yourself, but also helping others do that as well. And that includes like, if there's people starving to death, like if we want them to yeah. evolve, let's take care of their basic needs. Um, yes. And then we can worry about their theology. Right. But Jesus in the model of Jesus, exa- ex- right? using his teachings. Yeah. He, 
He multiplied the the bread and the fish yeah. because people came there because they were hungry. Yeah. And it's, that's the thing. Like you know? people are hungry. He always talks about um, being hungry and being thirsty. And he yes. he feeds them spiritually all the time, obviously, especially with a with a lady at the at the well. Um, but also like physically, like we can't miss the physical aspects of it because physical everything physical is spiritual. Like it's connected. Yes. And if you're talking about feeding, it's the it's the manifestation of the spiritual, in my opinion. Exactly. You know exactly. So. And so talking to um, non deconstructed and conservative people, their whole mentality is has a little bit to do with um, bettering themselves, um, th- their character and the behavior, obviously, like don't don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, whatever, because the Bible says so, cool, okay. But ultimately, that doesn't motivate their relationship with God or with, with Christ. Right. Their motivation is, I'm only doing this because of what's going to happen after I die. And the, mm-hmm. uh, the character aspect of, of it is isn't even a priority to them, really. Um, mm-hmm. If I had, a, I had a friend who, I don't know if he meant it or not, but he said, um, if God wasn't real, I would be murdering people left and right. Like, that's the only reason why I'm a good person. I'm just yeah. like, oh my gosh, dude, this is, this is, you don't even understand what's happening in the Bible if yeah. that's your mentality. Like, it's right. really not about the afterlife. It's not even about if, if God is real. It's not even about necessarily, like, and not to cut you no, off, but good. the notion that without the belief in God that I'm going to cheat on my wife and murder my neighbor exactly. is insane. Yeah. Like even in the Old Testament, we see that God has written his law on our hearts. Right. So that means it's innate mm-hmm. to the natural being by virtue of being a human. Mm-hmm. You are going to act in line in image and likeness of God mm-hmm. left your own devices, sometimes for good and sometimes for evil. That's the Tao, right? That's the... Yeah the way of, of light and dark within us. But like we, we have the capability for both. And just to your point, I want you to please continue. I was listening to Alan Watts lecture the other day. Do you, I don't know if you ever listened to Alan Watts. He's an old philosopher from the sixties, but you'd probably dig him. He's, he's awesome. Um, but he was talking about how, uh, Christian, some clergy were saying how they don't understand how, you know, Buddhists don't just, kill people and all this stuff because they don't have a deity structure. Buddhism does not have a deity structure or a a worship structure. Huge misconception Mm -hmm. that people are worshiping Buddha. They're not. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's like, and I love his response to that. He said, they just don't do that. (laughs) Like, he's like, they, like they, he's like, you know, without that, he's like plain and simple. That's just not who they are to do those sort of things. And it's, it's so true. Like we, the reality is most of us just by nature won't kill our neighbor. Right. We just won't do yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's a false rhetoric that you have to have God in order to not mm-hmm. be, you have to have God in order to be a good a participating member in society. Right. And that's a very like old idea for like, especially like turn of the century sort of stuff is like you would get loans, better loans based on your membership to church. Wow. Like everything was connected to this idea of your association mm-hmm. to Christianity and to having faith. You were more trustworthy and all that stuff. As we've known that being a, a believer or a pastor or anybody does not give you any more moral credibility. No. You know, I mean, uh, we see pastors 
doing stupid shit all the time. Yeah, pastor, you know? but also like the history of Christianity with like all the violence and the war, like the evidence just isn't there that God right. makes you a better person. If, if anything, through history, it's it's given people the understanding or the uh, the illusion that they deserve better than everybody else because God likes them more because they choose to believe right. in this God. And it's I think it should be the opposite. Like because you love God, you because of that reason, you have um, even more motivation to to love those that aren't like you, because that's yeah. you know, that's what God would have done. Right. That's yeah. what, and to your point, like Jesus said, the way that you love the least, last, and lost. Did you visit me in prison? Exactly. Did you clothe me? Did you feed me? You know, you're doing that unto me. That speaks to a whole lot of stuff. But part of my reconstruction to really uh, emphasize that point has been like, oh, understanding that every person I look at, Ram Dass um, has this saying that, you know, uh, everyone you see is God in drag. Oh, yeah. You know, and essentially that's what Jesus is saying. Yeah. He is saying, if you, you if you've not done this to them, you have not done it to me. So he's saying every person is Jesus in drag. Yeah. Every single person you see. And if you see someone who is hungry, then that means that you are, what you have not done to the least of these, you've not done for exactly. me. And part of reconstruction is, I think, understanding the simple value structure that we see through Jesus and the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And Jesus actually says some stuff that uh, even he kind of recounts. And people forget the humanity of Jesus. Yeah. I was just talking with a friend at breakfast yesterday about, you know, he's like, man, leaders and all these pastors like they fall and they do this stuff and you know hate the name drop or call people out but you know carl lentz you know mm -hmm. like you know hillsong pastor cheating on his wife and all of this and i basically said i, I think it's because we've over deified right. jesus and we then tr in trying to be that way over deify ourselves to be to live up to standards yeah. nobody can live up to be god and we've completely miss the humanity side of Jesus. And we forget, actually, it was a heresy to only think Jesus was divine, Yeah, you know, in the 400s. Yeah. Like <laughs> people were burned alive for that. But like it's, it's accepted now, mm -hmm. you know, we have to remember like uh, that catechism that, you know, it's like 100% God, 100% man. If God, if Jesus is both of those things, then we have to embody both of those things within ourselves. Yeah. And we need to embrace the human experience as much as the divine experience. And if we aren't looking out for the human experience for every single person, yeah. then like what you're saying, we can't invite anyone into the divine experience. Yeah. Um, a uh, huge, I, I love another verse. Um, what is the greatest command? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I love, I used to hate Jesus's response because the, the teachers of the law asked him for, for one answer. And he like, what I thought was a cop-out answer and he gave them two, right? Like what's, what is the yeah. greatest command? And he gives them two commands. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Like just, what, what is uh, the one greatest? Don't, don't, don't give me that. But then the more I, uh, I grew up, the more I matured in, in my spirituality, I realized that he really did only give them one answer. And it's a, mm. this, this, is, this is the way I, I see it. And the key word in that verse is when he says equal. So love God is the first command, but then he says yeah. equal to that one is to love your neighbor. Yeah. And so if it's a math equation, right? A equals B, 
if you flip it, B equals A. That's what Jesus yeah. was saying here. And so in order to love God, like the only way to do that is to love your neighbor. And if you, yeah. if you don't do that, then automatically you are not loving God. You break the equation. And so it's, yeah. it's, it's one answer, but it's two sides of the coin, right? Yes. Um, and yes. that verse, man, that really got me real far in my theology. Everything I... Because mm. that really humanizes God. Like yeah. the, the answer to loving God and all that spiritual, metaphysical things that I will never understand, it all really boils down to how we live physically. Like, you can mm -hmm. love God, you can say that, sure, but how is that reflected in your everyday life? How do you embody God yes. to a world? How do, it, I think I love that verse also mentioning as yourself. Exactly, yeah. You know? yeah. It's as yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's like you love yourself mm -hmm. as yourself. You become God in mm -hmm. you, Christ in me, right? Yeah. That's another, like, super metaphysical thing that I've brought out to people as well. Yeah. Like the mystery hidden beyond the ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, yeah. So you are the embodiment of Christ in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's Christ is something eternal, not Jesus's last name Exactly. <laughs> yeah. enters into us by way of being born from above, enabling mm -hmm. us to love our neighbor and to invite them into this sort of flow, yeah. um, by way of feeding and, you know, clothing and loving and inviting and teaching, you know, like, exactly. Hey, this is the way, this is a way. And Jesus always referred to it as the way, yeah. you know? And it's like, this is a way of being, this is the Tao of life. Yeah. And, um, I, I love that. I listen to a podcast. He's going to come on the, the show too. Um, he does a podcast called the Tao of Christ. Okay. And it's really interesting. <laughs> I gotta check that out. You know, you got to, it's this dude, um, Marshall Davis, and uh, he's agreed to come on and do an episode with nice. me. But he's this older guy who was like an evangelical pastor for like 40 years and was basically like, you know, I'm just not here for this anymore. <laughs> you wow, know? And, and he's like definitely more of a, a mystic at this point, you know. Oh, and yeah. so uh, really interesting. Um, but he, he talks a lot about the, the Tao of Christ. Is the, that is the way and the flow of Jesus. And it's the simple... Uh, and my interpretation is it's these simple value systems, mm -hmm. the verses that we've overlooked. And especially, I don't know if you went through a season of time where you got really into theology and you were yeah. like really getting in there and dissecting it and everything. You kind of push off the simple teachings of Jesus because you want to mm -hmm. like get to the quote complex things of Christ, yeah, you know? And it's like, and then you realize this whole like flip upside down thing of like, the simple things are the most complex things of the teachings of Jesus, yeah. you know? Yeah, but you can't get there uh, until until you've made that journey. Yes. Yeah. And and as we wrap up, I, I think that's the thing is you have to understand, uh, not you necessarily, mm -hmm. but for myself or for our listeners or anyone, like the to understand the value of going through process and seasons mm -hmm. of being as sure as you can be about where you're at, questioning at certain times, following that path into nomadic places, entering into a, some sort of new awareness, living into that, yeah. holding on to like, it's this cycle of death and rebirth that we see in <laughs> Jesus and what he, you know, yeah. and it's, it, and so what I'm really excited about 
in my own life is this journey of reconstruction over really the past year that's happened and has catapulted us into wanting to cultivate church again and stuff. Um, and just seeing how that's happening, I think, in the lives of so many people. And my hunch is, is that we're going to have a lot more people entering into deconstruction. Mm-hmm. But I know that maturity will always continue to grow and we need to have outlets and spaces mm-hmm. for voices like yours, for voices like mine to be able to give people a, a path that if they want to reconstruct with mm-hmm. Christ in their narrative, where are the places that can be talking about that? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm grateful for, for you, Ray, and grateful for all these folks that want to come on because uh, even just having these, you know, uh, rabbit trailed conversations about this stuff would have been like water, you mm-hmm. know, like cool water on a hot day, yeah. you know, uh, a year ago, whenever I was really seeking like, what does Jesus, what part does he really play in all this again? Not just taking it all apart, um, but what does it look like to incorporate and include mm-hmm this in a non-reactionary way yeah i think making it normal will definitely um speed up the process for a lot of people to feel comfortable to take that decision to to question and all that and the more we talk about it uh, the more people listen uh, the more the word gets out that it's okay it's okay to question um and i think that's going to help a lot of people and that's just like that's just going to multiply you know if, if one person yeah uh, finds the ability to 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 doubt and then to reconstruct in a healthy way. Um, two of them will, will hear that about that, and then four, and then eight. And at this 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 movement, I think, is going to be either the end of Christianity or um, it's going to be the beginning of of a new a new way of Jesus. Um, I don't know yeah. if it's going to use the same name or it's going to be a, another one, but I think Jesus won't go anywhere. Um, but I think Christianity is definitely heading somewhere else for sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's good that we have places of invitation to reconstruct, you know, yeah. um, if for whatever that, if it's, you know, Christianity or not, I've found myself in a sort of reconstructed place where I, I accept that term again. Mm-hmm. I didn't for a long time. Um, and so if, if anybody's listening, it's okay to not associate with labels are just things that are evidence of, mm-hmm. of what's happening inside. I mean, the reason you walk down the canned food aisle, which you shouldn't do if you're a real healthy person, <laughs> but if you do, you know, the reason you see all these labels is they're just evident of what's going on in the contents here. You know, labels aren't necessarily bad. They help bring identification, you know, and if people aren't digging the the Christian label right, right now, right. then people have permission to ditch that and to be free from yeah. that. Um, and I don't, it's, to me, I, I've adopted that label back into my life um, in nuanced ways. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that I'm open to something else emerging that helps us bring, I, I use the term like non-dual Christianity a lot, you yeah. know. Um, I, I've really personally diverted from, the term progressive Christianity for a whole lot of reasons. I think I'm going to actually do a thought out all my episodes, by the way, I just riff and oh, it's man. not a good habit. Good. <laughs> that's what, that's what, I uh, need to just post editing can fix all that. <laughs> yeah. I, if I did that, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Oh, wow. So I'm just, uh, I just get excited about things and do things quickly and whatever, <laughs> you know what that's I mean? Awesome. So, uh, <laughs> 
but I, I am writing a few uh, sermons teaching for lack of a better term mm-hmm. that I think I'm going to, because normally I'll just like get hot on an idea and just riff on it, which is how this episode started is another guy like posted a Instagram. He was like answering Instagram questions. I don't know if you saw that on my stories or whatever. I even mm-hmm. made a post about it too, of, that sparked this whole thing of like this guy basically saying that deconstruction and ex evangelical people um, are, it's basically their own problem and they're wrong, uh-huh. you know? And so that's why I recorded that episode. Like good discipleship includes deconstruction, which was just a riff where I was sitting on the floor over here, you know? <laughs> uh, but I'm like, man, I need to, for, as I approach some of these bigger things, like reformulating faith, like, man, these are really big ideas that people are wrestling with right now. And they deserve more energy and effort and attention and intentionality mm-hmm. with, um, and they deserve to have, People deserve, I think, to have more content available to them yes. to identify what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so whoever may be listening to this, there could be something that you said today that completely was a light bulb for them that connected a dot. Or maybe they're not even aware it connected a dot and in six <laughs> months it'll connect a dot. You That's know what I likely, mean? Yeah. More yeah. likely. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I'm just grateful for, for how many people responded for people that want to share their own story to help other people that have been through a sort of, uh, you know, deconstruction, reconstruction, a love, uh, where your, your, you know, heart is at about understanding the words of Jesus and really appreciate you, you know, being vulnerable and coming on to talk <laughs> about this stuff, man. Well, thank you for that. But, um, you know, more props to you. Cause like you said, you had a, you have a lot of work ahead of you and, uh, it's <laughs> not easy. And, uh, that's a lot of help for a lot of people. Not not everyone can do that. Um, and I, one more note on that. Um, one of the reasons why I stuck with with Jesus is because I knew I know that narrative. Um, I could mm. have left it. I could have gone to Buddha. I could have gone to the Hindus, whatever. But I didn't because ultimately the point here is what Jesus calls the the, the new creation. Um, and so how do we, you or me, um, influence people to be the best versions of themselves? Um, we can make a new narrative or we can use the narrative that they already understand and and know. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a good way, regardless if you think it's true or not. Um, the Bible and Jesus's words is a great way to get a lot of people on the right track. Mm. And so I appreciate it. I totally, totally agree. And that's whenever I was venturing and really entering into Hinduism, Taoism, and mm-hmm. things, I had this revelation of, I will never know these faith traditions like I know the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I will never understand the depths of yeah. these, you know, if I convert or, you know, whatever. And it's like, man, I might as well. And that is, I love, thank you for bringing that up because that was a lot of my embracing again was like, I might as well make the best sense that I can of this. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I made that decision and surrendered to my tradition, it was like, boom, like things just started connecting together and really far outweighs. And, um, you're right. It's something for a lot of people. And I tell people, maybe it's cause I was, you know, born in America (laughs) to a pastor, you know, in a charismatic faith tradition 
well, I'm going to work yeah, with that. Yeah, those are the cards you were dealt. That's what I got to exactly. work with. Yeah. So might as well just and, like, embrace honestly, that. I think that's what Jesus did. Like, yeah, he was Jewish, but like, was he really? <laughs> like, I think, he, right? I think he used his tradition to, to do what he did, but I don't think he needed that one. I think he could have used whatever. Right. And I think, um, you know, we, we should do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I think if uh, the goal of a lot of these traditions are the yes. same. And we might as well. And for me, I think what better thing to do than to restore something that people have a complete skewed view of, mm-hmm. but have some familiarity exactly. with. I think that's one of the most fun things that I get to do is have people over and tell them that I'm a pastor and, you know, see their reaction to that. (laughs) Like, okay, you know, but everyone who's in the Western world to some degree Mm -hmm. has some level of understanding of who Jesus was, or they went to Easter as a kid, Easter service. You know what I mean? Like, we don't all know, you know, about these ceremonies, you know, to Ganesh. Exactly. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, so, or these, like, I went to a meditation thing and we did like a, a kirtan, which is worship song to Ganesh. And like, I'm like, I don't know any of these words. Like we're singing in Sanskrit. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Wow. I don't know. It will never have the impact in my mm-hmm. life that singing, in my case, some of these old vineyard worship songs will, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, like last night we had our, uh, our gathering, you know, and the song came to me, this old song, like, you know, I'm dry and thirsty, Lord, send your rain, you know, Lord, I need your touch again, send your rain. And it's like these cheesy old early nineties songs, but it's in a way that I can interpret them that just bring a newness to me, you know, that I will never know by singing Ganesh chants, Exactly. you know, um, So thank you for bringing that up and allowing me to riff on that. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) No, no, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, And as we, as we finish this, um, I'm just curious, any other words that you might have to people that maybe where you were like 18 months ago, 24 months ago, like any sort of uh, thoughts that you might give to them as we end? Mm Mm-hmm. So many thoughts. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we could probably do a few more of these. Yeah, yeah. Get some beers involved. We'll go all night. Um, yeah. My ma- my wife's a nine wing eight, by the way. Oh, so that's why we get along well. So. <laughs> um, patience is obviously a must, and um, knowing that it's okay to to be scared because obviously um i don't think people really understand how much the afterlife is affecting their theology and um mm. be, being being in limbo about that is is scary but it's okay um i think try to understand how much god loves you um, and regardless of where your theology or ideology takes you, um, God will love you. Allow yourself to leave this um, path that was made for you um, by, by other churches and other um, pastors. Um, allow yourself to, to, 
educate yourself. Um, read all the things, especially the Bible. Um, hear all the podcasts. Just educate yourself. Um, that way you are you have a solid foundation of why you believe what you believe. Um, more important, that's more important than believing anything. Just why do you believe, regardless of what it is? Why? And mm-hmm. if that why yeah. uh, makes sense to you, um, then that's going to allow you to grow um, and be the best version of yourself for sure. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. People having the ability to say, this makes sense for me. That's that. I love that language you just used. That's whenever I first started uh, this podcast, it was the language I was using was helping people form a faith that works for yeah. them. Cause so many people form a faith that works a theology that they've been given right. or works their, you know, cultures, you know, their Christian cultures version of it. It, it doesn't actually work mm-hmm. for you. And so love the permission to be able to be curious, explore, read all this stuff. I, and I would nuance to read the stuff that you were told not to Especially read. Especially those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody told me not to read Rob Bell Love right. Wins. And the first thing, the first time that I finally actually did that, I'm like, oh, they were hiding something for, they didn't, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like, oh, this stuff's beautifully brilliant, you know? And it's like, um, read the stuff that, that that's taboo. Read the things you're not allowed to read, read the guys that, that have the weird names that, you know, would freak your grandma out, you know, like, (laughs) like Ram Dass. The thing is like, like, if, if what you told was, um, if, if you're, um, conservative beliefs are, are real and they're true, then reading these other books won't affect you. What, what, why are you scared to do it? Just do it. You know? Right. And, but you know, the, honestly, I think they're scared because they do doubt their own beliefs. Um, that's very so true. If you do doubt it, well then find something that you don't <laughs> either way, read those books. <laughs> And the spirit of truth, that's what I told people, the spirit of truth leads you into all truth, Jesus yeah. said. So how much reliance do you have on self mm-hmm. or on God? Like I put it back on people who put everything on God. You know, if you tell them they did a good job, they're like, nope, it was the Lord. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, he didn't actually play that guitar riff, though. You did. Yeah, you know, it's like, some credit. <laughs> uh, right. You yeah. know, and so it's like, yeah, I just think that people should have that, you know, uh, be able to do that. So, um, man, uh, do you have any creative projects, anything that you want to give spotlight to anywhere that, you know, uh, sure. Uh, so actually I do have, um, a podcast, which is why I have all this equipment. Um, it's called, it's called the bad news. Um, because just a quick overview, um, the good news of Christ, we all know, right? And we all assume that the good news is for us, but actually the good news is for the oppressed and us Mm. in America, 21st century, how many of us are actually oppressed, right? Uh, And so if we take that back to the first century, those would have been the Romans, right? The Roman soldiers, Mm. um, the good news for the oppressed was actually really bad news for those in power. Um, And Mm. we are currently living in in a, a time in which we, are the ones in power. Um, so the bad news of Jesus is, is what it is to us. Uh, so mm. that's why I call it that. Um, and it's just pretty much just me ranting. 
Um, hey, that's the yeah. best. That's the beauty of podcasting. I mean, people forget. <laughs> listen, Joe Rogan right. rants for three and a half people hours with yeah. people, and people love it. And I'm always like worried about time. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like. I don't think I should be as worried about time, you know, but awesome. So the bad news podcast mm -hmm. and uh, people can find that wherever podcast uh, iTunes yeah, anywhere. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Very cool, man. Awesome. Uh, well, Raymundo, thank you so much. And um, hopefully we'll have another conversation. Awesome. Soon. Yeah. If you, if you want it, I'll be here. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the interviews like this. I love impromptu conversations and cause people really say what they, what they mean when they're on the spot like that's that. true. Uh, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, my All friend. Right. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. As always, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a review, and share this channel with a friend. If you would like to financially support the Spiritual Nomad Project, visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give. To contact Luke, you can email him directly luke at thespiritualnomad.org or send a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, grace, peace, and love.